This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. since then our wi-fi has been shit <laughs> you think they're targeting you guys yes they control the internet <laughs> um as somebody that has verizon fios at home i'm very happy with the service if anybody's listening if you want to bump up my speed by all means do that if you want to throw in some more sports channels i would welcome okay. that i have so- no problems with these we did just recently bump up our speed, and after we bumped up our speed, this happened. Why'd he get into a fight with them? Because they didn't send him the login information for the Sunday ticket for like two months. <laughs> did he have it before the before the NFL season started? Yeah, he was fighting with them all summer long for it. I mean... So, the man has priorities. What are you going to do? Listen... So much stuff is happening over the last few days that I'm actually afraid of like recording right now and then like something else is going to happen in the time that we record and then we're going to be behind on content. <laughs> the last, I think like the last four days has been insane. Yeah. Like, What do you want to start with? When, um, when we, when we last record, Tuesday, Monday? Yeah. Monday, right? And then the Aaron Rodgers injury happened. I was like, that's, I wish we would talked about that, right? And yeah. it's going to be a big thing that we're going to talk about. It's like nowhere in the news anymore. It's just, yeah. whatever. It's past. Yeah, it's past. Um, you're obviously more interested in talking about Lauren Boebert getting a rope on during <laughs> Beetlejuice. <laughs> Did you see what she said? She said she that gave- she was really on edge, right? Like she's been really on edge. So she's like, was letting loose. Yeah, she's, she also said that she's, like, eccentric, which is, to me, eccentric is, like, I eat pizza with ketchup. Not <laughs> I give out... <laughs> not I give out handjobs at Beetlejuice in Denver. I'd understand if it was, like, Broadway. <laughs> well, let's give the listeners some information, because you know what? Not everybody who listens to us is American, and they need to know what some of our bullshit politicians are doing. Now, Lauren Boebert, she's a what? She's a congresswoman. She is a congresswoman. Yes, from Colorado. Unfortunately, in this country, from Colorado. And uh, she's MAGA, 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 like hardcore, super right wing, you know, anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-Muslim, pro-guns, all of those, the classics. Well, Mm -hmm. recently there were reports that she got kicked out of a uh, theater during the middle of a Beetlejuice performance. And... There was like, there were like, nobody knew why. And apparently it was that she was being uh, disruptive. That's all the news said first. That she yeah. was being disruptive and she was arguing with somebody. And that maybe she, somebody, either she or her date had been vaping. 
then the footage came out and i feel like every time new footage came out i was like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> so initially the footage came out and it just looked like security guards go up to her and because this is like security camera i guess right mm-hmm. um Security guards go up to her, tell her to leave, and then there's security footage of her leaving the theater and, like, flipping off somebody, right? Okay, I can't tell what happened. Then Mm -hmm. you find out, you see that there's a pregnant woman behind her, and she is vaping, and the (laughs) pregnant woman tells her to stop, and you could tell that they had words. Now, the pregnant woman says that she called (laughs) Lauren Boebert called this pregnant woman Miss Pro-Life here was calling this pregnant woman a miserable bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So then that happened. I was like, oh, okay, she got she got kicked out for that. No. And then another video came out recently of like her date putting fondling her breast. This is going to full second base on her. And she's giving this man some OTP action. (laughs) over the pants okay <laughs> a classic like, oh. otp hj <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then yeah and then i mean it's but the wildest thing about it is like beetlejuice is probably a family show you know it's definitely a family show that that crowd was full of families yeah and i mean i thought she was married well, so the wildest thing actually is the fact that Lauren Boebert is a congresswoman. That is an insane thing. That is an insane <laughs> That's number truth. one. <laughs> That's number one because it is actually crazy. Like, do yeah. you know how she got? Do you know how she uh, came into prominence? How? So she uh, started. Uh, she opened up a bar called Shooters, which is like a Hooters type of deal where like women would dress scantily clad. Um, they'd wear like Daisy Dukes and they'd wear like plaid, like like a country girl outfit. Yeah, yeah, right? sure. They'd like tie the shirt like Britney Spears and hit me baby mm-hmm. one more time. You know, that, that <laughs> Yeah, look. I got it. Thanks. Um, but the big thing about shooters is that it is very proudly uh, open carry. So like you, you go in there and you like have your guns on you. Like okay. that's the big thing about shooters. And I think at some point there was like an ordinance or something that was like, hey, you can't have guns in a restaurant like this. And then she fought against it or whatever. So she came into Providence and then people were like, oh, okay, we'll vote for her. She seems like a good person to vote for for some fucking reason. So um, you said that you thought that she was married. She used to be married. Now, Mm -hmm. this, of course, again, is a big time Republican, big time conservative, uh, loves the Bible and loves Jesus and thinks gay people and Muslims and Black people are all evil. Her yeah. husband was convicted of flashing his penis to teenagers outside of a bowling alley. <laughs> this is all, this is all like well documented uh, news, and this is all news before she got elected twice. To oh, yeah, <laughs> this country is amazing. I saw a tweet that said, "Oh, so now we're shaming grandmothers for ostentatiously vaping and, and giving their." date some over the pants action while in a packed <laughs> production of Beetlejuice the musical wow I thought this was America well that's the other thing she is 38 years old and she's a grandmother which you know congratulations is, you know all what? that Impressive. abstinence talk obviously works 
It is there's no reason why we should have sex education in this country. She has gone on record to talk about how birth control was so expensive that she opted not to take it and then she ended up getting pregnant with her son. And she like talks about it like it's a good thing. I mean, she's like, Oh, my son is my blessing, so it worked out. But it's like, no, so you were looking for birth control. You did not want mm-hmm. to have a baby. But it is so expensive and inaccessible that you ended up having a child. Okay. That's that's not the you don't that's not giving the the thing that you needed to give the hypocrisy of the gop is so blatant um at this point that it's not even something that you could hold against them unfortunately because they're like shameless about it yeah so like lauren bobert of course it's embarrassing i'm sure she wishes that this didn't happen but there's no way that her campaign isn't gonna probably like try to make money off of this oh yeah like they're gonna have like like beetle juiced t shirts. I just thought of that. <laughs> Juicing out. Maybe beetle. you should work for them. I really should. I am bright lady. <laughs> Lauren Bobert, more like Lauren Gropert. <laughs> anyway. Um, that was that's the thing that happened. Okay, there's so many things that happened. There's another thing that I want to talk to you about because we have been covering celebrity divorces. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wanna hear this. And Hugh Jackman. And his wife, Deborah yes. Lee Jackman, have mm-hmm. filed for divorce after 27 years. Mm-hmm. First of all, condolences to them. But also, I hope that – I feel like if you get a divorce after 27 years or you decide to separate after 27 years, it's probably a really thought out Yeah, thing. you've earned it. You've yeah, earned yeah. it. It's not a Me personally, I think that you should be able to get divorced at any time you want. But I think if you've made it to double digits, if you've made it to a decade and then after that you decide, I don't want to be married to this person anymore, that's fine. That's not a failure. You did this for mm-hmm. 10 years. 10 years is such a long time. That's fine. So I'd I feel say like, yeah. I'm okay with somebody getting divorced before they leave for the honeymoon. Because like you don't want to be at a honeymoon with somebody <laughs> that you hate. Like that's You spent all this money. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I do think that you should be allowed to get divorced at any point. You should mm-hmm. be able to walk out of your wedding if you want to. Oh yeah. You I should mean, be yeah. able to say your words in front of God. What is the thing that they say? If anyone has objections. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't have to um, uh, tiptoe around it. Your fantasy for my wedding is to see me get stood up at the altar. Nothing I just but- <laughs> want to be there when it happens because I just think that that would be so fun. I would yeah. love to be present as a guest in a runaway bride situation yeah, or runaway groom. But if yeah. I feel like it was a runaway groom, I would hate you. I'd be so mad. That's but the thing. I, it has I, I to be. I can't woman leave somebody at the altar, right? No, you can't. That's fucked yeah, up. See? But, you know, she changed her mind. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Also, it's not right. like we wouldn't get to eat dinner. You've already paid for it. You think I want to eat that sad dinner after my uh, my bride leaves me? No, I, I want to eat. I want to yeah, eat I pro- that I, sad I probably dinner. do, too. It's a lot of food. Yeah, and I feel like the party would be so much fun. We'd have so much fun. Da- also, there would be no speeches. We wouldn't have to cut a cake. We could throw the cake at each other if we wanted to. We could. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, this sounds like a great time. And, like, do I really want to be married? I probably no. don't. No. No. Let's set this up. We need to find a Patsy just for this. Let's do everything and then just have somebody walk out on me. Yeah, exactly. Just for the story. 
Okay, we got that out of the way. I'm looking at the list of things that oh, you have. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah, sure. Um, now, Hugh Jackman, the mm-hmm. the most, I, I feel like the most, uh, like the most prominent thing about his marriage while he was married, like people would always talk about how much older his wife is, right? Mm-hmm. That's a thing that used to happen. Um, I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to be talked about now. Um because I'm sure Hugh Jackman is going to go out in the dating market or whatever, right? Now, Hugh Jackman, I think, is 54 years old. You are a sprightly 38. <laughs> is Hugh Jackman too old for you by your own rules? Can you Thank do the you. math for me? That's 20 um, years? That would be 16 years. First of all, if I started to date Hugh Jackman, my husband would be very upset because my husband wants to date Hugh Jackman. He's <laughs> a big Logan head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, by the way, I'm looking at their age difference. Um, wow, 13 years her his senior. Good for mm-hmm. her. Oh, good for her. <laughs> she had two babies with this man. They've been married for so long. You. But you know adopted. what? It's fine. What? The kids were adopted. That's okay. No, you know why great. they were adopted? Because she had two miscarriages, you piece of shit. Don't you feel terrible now? Uh, I do feel bad. No, miscarriages. <laughs> of course, they're sad. Yeah, of course I feel bad. Yeah. All right. Well, blessings to them. Good luck with that, Hugh. Um, I would. Yeah. So I don't want to date him, but you know, I think the Hugh Jackman divorce is. Uh, this is a, an exciting a divorce as you know that guy Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. He's so hot, yeah. and his like wife, who's like. A million years older than him. Oh. Very problematic for me. I yeah, well, think it's the, so problematic. The problematic thing in that relationship was that she met him when he was like, I think, 18. And she was yeah. his director. Like, yes, she was his yeah. boss. And he was a literal child. And yes, fine, 18 is legal. But he was a baby. And then she. Yeah, no, it's it's like a teacher, like a teacher student. Yeah, which gross. is, by the way, I find that totally hot. But Ew. I understand why you would find that disgusting. Yeah, it's awful. Anyway, um, I feel like when they get divorced, it's going to be a similar excitement for a lot of people. For a lot of people on the internet that are goddamn hypocrites, but I get it. What are you talking about? I mean, I, how about you just let those two lovers just be lovers? Why should we get <laughs> because he's so hot? <laughs> so you okay? <laughs> I'm a monster. Anyway, let's move on. Um, you want to tell me about what is it, Jan Wiener? Jan Wenner? Who is this person? You just put it on Jan my Wenner? list. Jan? Do you know who Jan Wenner is? No. He is the uh I think he's a founder um and a longtime editor of Rolling Stone magazine. Uh-huh. So Jan Wenner has a new book out called okay. The Masters. Okay. And in that book, he interviews all these prominent rock and roll stars, right? So okay. he interviewed uh, Mick Jagger, uh, Bruce Springsteen, and a bunch of uh, like Paul McCartney, like the classic big rock and roll stars, right? Mm-hmm. And they are all, all the people that are included in the book, Bono, people like that, right? All the people that are included in the book. And I think the book includes interviews that he did with them while he was at Rolling Stone. So there's like interviews from the 70s and the 80s and stuff like that, right? I think the only new interview that he did was for, uh, I think Bruce Springsteen, he did a new interview for him. Anyways, mm-hmm. the book only has 
uh, white male artists. All of the interviews are just white male artists, right? So he did an interview with uh, the New York Times about the book, and they pointed that out. They were like, you know, you only have white male artists in this book, right? And what he said, oh, you're going to love this. You're not going to love it. You're going to hate it. So they asked him, they're like, well, how come you don't have any women or any people of color? I'm already, I'm already pre-mad. My, oh, you're my whole, so I wish I could expect my whole body is getting hot from anger. His response was, I don't believe that I have come across any women or any people of color that could talk to me or that could talk about music on that sort of intellectual level. <laughs> that is what he, he said. How old is this man? Jan Weiner is probably in his 70s. I mean, inexcusable. He's American. What is he, German? Yeah, I think he's, I mean, he's a pretty much American. I, I know he's a foreigner, like he has, he speaks with an accent or whatever, but he's been, he's a big time celebrity um, and he is like the face of Rolling Stone. He's a very popular person and he's been in America for a long time. So he's also one of the founding board members or members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? So like he's that high up there. Um, so that's what he said. He said, yeah, I don't I don't feel like I have come across anybody. And then I think the interviewer gave him some options. He was like, you know, what about like Joni Baez, Joan Baez mm -hmm. uh, or Joni Mitchell or whatever? And he's like, well, you know, if you want to have a conversation with them, you can. I've tried. I just don't think that they can measure up at an intellectual level. So <laughs> God. you didn't hear this? No. Uh, I would have thought it would have been right on your radar. Um, I'm sorry. So Shannon Bedore had a DUI today. Things have been complicated. <laughs> okay. Um, so he said that I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has kicked him off the board. So that's happened already. And I'm sure he's had a public apology for whatever. Right. Um, and so that's where we stand right now. Um, and I wanted to know your Wait, thoughts on it. He put himself in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, the rock and roll. He's a founding member, like a board member. So he is okay. like one of the people that. Decides so he's been kicked off of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Okay. Great. Congratulations. Good. What a dog shit person. Because you know what's upsetting is that, like, yes, he's this like person who like ran Rolling Stone and all this stuff. I think what's upsetting is like when we talk about like the representation of people of color or women in media, and we think about like Rolling Stone as like a liberal organization right like it's a liberal journalist absolutely journal yep. or, like it's a liberal <laughs> news organization rolling stone always talked about like edgy stuff and new stuff and like very progressive and they would not you know shy away from difficult topics and stuff but when you find out that the founder of this magazine who's probably making a lot of creative decisions for a long i don't think recently probably but for a long time was controlling a lot of the coverage of music of the music industry yeah, you, he's, like he's, he has a lot of power. Exactly. He has all this power. And for all these years, he genuinely thinks that black people and brown people and women are like intellectually subpar to white men and like therefore should not be given attention or, or like time. Like it's that is. <laughs> Cra that it's crazy but it's like you know 
even like a well-meaning liberal. And I looked him up, by the way. He grew up in fucking the Bay Area. He went to UC mm-hmm. Berkeley. Like he's yeah. not, he's not some like, you know, fucking tech, Tucker Carlson type. Like he is what most people would consider a very liberal person. And I think that's the part of it that is upsetting is that like it's somebody who you would not think would have those kind of views, having those kinds of views. What a dog shit yeah. person. So there's like two offenses here, right? One, the first offense is, okay, like, obviously, if you look at the history of music, even if you're talking about rock and roll music, right? Um, how can you not see the impact of black, like, black musicians? Like, yes. rock and roll actually started with black musicians, right? And then yes. it's taken over by Elvis. And then all these famous white people, like, I love the Beatles, and I love, I don't really love Rolling Stones, but I love Bruce Springsteen and all these people. Those people also talk about the impact of black musicians on their music. Like U2, when they came out in the 80s, when they were at the height of their popularity, they made sure that, you know, that they paid attention to that and that they talked about that. Like, yeah, like Bono, like they wrote a song about Martin Luther King, right? Like Mm -hmm. that because they knew that, okay, this is the impact of that stuff, right? So I don't understand how you can look at the the landscape and not recognize African American uh, artists um, and same thing with women. I don't want to you know I, I don't want to present this like I'm I know a lot about female musicians or anything like that, but I'm sure that that is 100 percent the case uh, for women also, right? Like yeah, you're talking about rock and roll. Technically, Aretha Franklin is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, the Rock correct. and Roll Hall of Fame at this point has uh, um, hip hop artists in. Right. It has yep. Tupac and Biggie and all these other people. Like, so if you're t- talking about the impact of music, your book is incomplete if you are yep. talking about that and you don't have these people. Like, and then I don't understand how you can listen to something like Dr. Dre or, you know, things like that. And you hear the music and you don't understand that there's genius in it. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, I think the closest thing that comes to it is like, again, I, I don't mean to bring everything back to sports, but that's what happens. Right. Like, a lot of times black athletes are just looked at as like, okay, you have a genetic um, advantage over other races. And that's the reason why you're better. And that's not the case, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into becoming a great athlete. And 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 a lot harder work because they come from way less opportunity areas of way less opportunity. I think like another thing that like, as you're saying this, I'm thinking of is the fact that like, we always hear over the years how like the Grammys and, you know, the Oscars or the, the Emmys or any, or even like the VMAs, like all these things are problematic. They haven't always given room to black, like men, not the VMAs, but like mm -hmm. the Grammys have definitely not given enough attention to r&b and rap and hip-hop and all that stuff over the years it's only recently that you really started to see more black artists being nominated for things like i'd say in the last 20 years right and like whenever people complain about that or bring an issue to that they're always like oh they're so they're always complaining there's always something for them to complain about like that's not the case but like literally this dude yan is one of probably millions of other hundreds of other white dudes who think the Mm -hmm. same way white men in power that think the same way and so yes there is these are the types of people that like that exist that keep um the spotlight away from people of color and women who are very deserving of that attention 
Exactly. And I think so that's the, the first offense is the fact that he left people out. But again, it's his book. He can write the book about whatever. Right. The second offense is his answer, which is now, is there a way to answer that question about, hey, how come you don't have any black artists or how come you don't have any women that isn't offensive? And I was thinking about that and I was like, you know, he could have said that while I recognize that, um, you know, African-American artists and female artists have have put in a lot of work and they've made a lot of contributions to music, mm-hmm. um, you know the way that I wanted to conduct these conversations, because that's one of the things that he was talking about in the interview was that it wasn't technically like an interview. These were conversations that he was having with his friends, which also, okay. by the way, makes Jan Winter, a, you know, uh, like, a, like an embarrassing fanboy, like the yeah. way that he like loves these, you know, all these old white dudes or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, he could have said, I was trying to get like on a deep, meaningful conversation with my friends. And I feel yeah. like, because of who I am, because of my age, because of my skin color, because of what I've been exposed to, I can't relate with these artists on that level, right? Sure. I think that is maybe an excusable answer. And this is me giving Jan Winner a lot of rope because yeah. really what it is, is it is 100% racist and it's 100% yes. sexist. Correct. That's what it is. Yeah, but I think I, I think that what that tells me is even when people have answers like that, I have a lot of questions about like why that like oh like you can't have meaningful conversations with any of your friends because all of your friends are white men like okay like or you can't have me a meaningful conversation with black people because all your friends are white like okay that's a fucking problem like it is it is 100 percent problem i know listen i am the old white guy defender on this podcast you really are i have to no but it no it's it is just racist and it's sexist that's all it is yeah well control your people okay Okay, speaking of our people, um, we're going to, I feel like the rest of the episode, we're pretty, pretty much going to talk about this, but we have two comedians right now um, this week being, it was like back to back these stories came out, right? And I think I want to talk about one of them first, because I do think that it is important to talk about uh, because it's like a no, There, I don't think that there's even a discussion here that needs to be had of like, is this, mm-hmm. which side are we on? So trigger warning, we are going to be talking about Russell Brand and the allegations against him of sexual abuse and emotional abuse. So if you don't want to hear that, you can skip ahead. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, but Russell Brand this weekend was there was a, um, a I think on BBC or uh, no, or I'm not sure what channel it's, but channel a, four, right? I think channel, it's channel four. four and the Guardian or the Sun. I yeah, think they, they released a movie. Together. They released a movie called. Um, what is it called? Open Secret, I think. Open Secret. Um, I think it's it's like a it's like a news series, right? I think it's called Dispatches. Is the name of the yes. news series? Probably yes. like a Dateline or something. So they had a they did a a special about the fact that there have been several allegations of um, sexual assault and rape against Russell Brand. And 
before this movie came out, a really strange thing happened where Russell Brand went on his like little YouTube channel or whatever. And if you don't know, Russell Brand is now like a essentially a QAnon level right winger. Like he's, he's Alex Jones adjacent ish. Well, I don't until this week. That is not that is not how I would have characterized him as. Um, I, what I would have said is he is like a self help kind of guru guy, um, who's always talking about like natural remedies and being loving and peaceful and. All He's an anti vaxxer along with like being an anti-vaxxer right so he's also he, like but he's he's all he's an anti-vaxxer and he's mm-hmm. also like a 9-11 truther like he's becoming yeah, yeah. one of those people exactly. so in the last few years like i liked him a couple of years ago he had a lot of really good stuff on his um youtube about um and on his uh, instagram about like the palestinian israeli conflict and like really put in a lot of effort into like getting a lot of those voices but like Okay, great, but you're still a motherfucker because all these allegations are coming out about about him. And so before this this special aired on TV, he went on his YouTube channel and was like, did this like video, it was like a, I don't know what to call it, but he was like a, just so you know, like a, it was essentially PR. It was a let me get ahead of it situation. He was like, just so you know, there's a video coming out and it's coming out because I am uh speaking the truth and i'm standing up against mainstream media and i'm speaking up against corporations and the government and now they are all colluding together to bring me down because this is what happens to people who go out and speak the truth so essentially what he's saying is these allegations deep type these types of allegations only come out um once the mainstream media feels threatened by a particular you know person um, he's he claims that all of his sexual uh, interactions have always been consensual and all this stuff. And I watched this TikTok and some and this is a person who's a PR person and they said you have to pay attention to what he did. What he did is he came out with this video right before the actual uh, movie or the special aired. And the reason why mm-hmm. he did it is because then we are now distracted by the video that he made and not actually paying attention to the stories of these women who have come out against him. Those are the stories and those are the voices that we should be paying attention to. Whether or not he decided to defend himself and claim this whole thing that the mainstream media and the government and the powers that be in fucking Soros and God knows who else is is coming after him. The pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals, big pharma actually yeah. oh my god i'm one of them <laughs> um he all that shit is just a way for him to distract from the actual stories and so if you go online now all of like the instagram twitter all these things the headlines are always these his video is popping up everywhere right and of course who is defending him fucking andrew tate and um what's it called uh tucker carlson all these people, fucking Ben Before Shapiro, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, Ben Shapiro, they're all, all of your usual suspects are now going up and saying, oh, well, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Some woman said, I've been naked in a room with Russell Brand and he didn't try to do anything to me. And I know other women who have been naked around Russell Brand and they've never tried to do anything. And also, I'm an actual sexual assault survivor. So I don't think that he would do that. And it's like, 
imagine the person who sexually assaulted you, somebody coming out and saying that about them. That like, oh, well, I've been in a room naked with that person and they never did that to me. It's all just so fucked up. And so this shit is coming out about Russell Brand. And obviously, if you read even a little bit of like the testimony or watch any of these videos, like I, I, I don't question any of it. I believe all of it to be very true and very mm-hmm. scary. And I hope that those women get justice because fuck this shit. The, this entire, like the entire story of how it started and how it has come to fruition is extremely disappointing and not disappointing. It's, it's, depressing actually right like the calculation of making that video and presenting it in the manner that he did like the video starts off as like uh this is happening like red alert the thing that i warned you about because i talked about needles about pharmaceutical needles and because i am on youtube and i don't need the mainstream media anymore it's exactly oh listen they're coming after me for those reasons right um, and then, so like that came out probably like 12 hours before the new, before the story came out, I think it was in the sun or the guardian or whatever. Right. By the time that the actual story came out, all these pieces of shit online and all these folks, Elon Musk, Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro, anybody that is defending, um, Russell Brand is a piece of shit, right? Yep. I understand that there are sometimes there, sometimes there is some gray area in this conversation, right? I think as society is changing or whatever, um, you know, things that were looked on as being okay in the past aren't okay anymore and men have to adjust to it and all of those things, right? I get that that happens. But as a society, I think as a person, you have to decide whether or not you actually, you know, like that believe women thing actually does apply to you. Or if yeah. it doesn't, right? And I think for me as a dude, obviously there are instances, very, 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 very minuscule instances of like false allegations, right? That happens, right? But if you weigh that against the the number of assaults that happen and the number of assaults that don't get reported because women yeah. are afraid of being called liars and yeah. because it ruins their lives, when it is not it's not a question what the right thing to do here is, right? Okay, so you believe women until you have a reason, until it is proven that they are not telling the truth. And in every instance that I've seen, um, I don't really recall an instance. I mean, you know, you can look at, I don't know, whatever, like the Duke lacrosse team or whatever, right? Sure, something like that. But things like this, you have to believe women. That is the right thing to do. And the fact that these motherfuckers turn to the Russell Brand side without having any knowledge just yeah. because it helps their bullshit, you know, uh, anti-woke, the liberals are coming after us, they want to control our minds nonsense is so upsetting. It's crazy that these people like Elon Musk is not going to be affected by this. Tucker Carlson is not going to be affected by this. And the reason is because they don't like that's what they want. They just want people to be angry. They want yeah. people to just not believe other people. They want they want people to have somebody else to blame for their place in life, right? Because that's how they make their grift. That's how they make their money. And it's like, 
it's just it's terribly sad and you just wish that the women you know aren't um that they aren't disheartened by what they see because what they did do like the investigation the reporters and the people that came out and said the things you know that happened to them they are exceptionally brave and they should they should feel you know they should feel protected and it's so sad that the internet and fucking twitter has become this like this tool for just like hatred that this is the kind of bullshit that they have to deal with yeah and i think that people should be conscious that every time you go online and you decide to like put a question mark on somebody's story especially a woman's story especially a story about like uh sexual assault or sexual harassment um there are women that you might know who come across you liking mm-hmm. that content or you questioning something that that or, or liking content that questions women's testimony and it tells those women that oh you're this is a person who's likely not going to be there for me or not going to believe me if god forbid something like that happens to me or this is a person who thinks that my trauma isn't real and so you people should be conscious of that um and and yes. it goes kind of across the board right so like it's like okay this is a serious allegation i should be dealt with seriously but then you also go back and see okay well you know like the people that you know the guys that i'm talking and nobody has come out you know none of the guys i talked to have come out and been like oh you know russell brand got screwed over oh you know some of the were some of the people were like oh the matrix has them or whatever but i think they were just joking around or whatever but you also see like the through line of how people reacted to like the Amber Heard case, yep. right? Where you're just like, okay, this isn't as serious. It feels like Amber Heard was lying. Johnny Depp was vindicated. Good for the men everywhere in the world, right? And you kind of see how that affects, like how that affects people's thinking and how it's really, really dangerous, right? Yep. All of this stuff is important. That's the reason why you have to be super duper careful in how you are talking about things. And and the thing is, that doesn't mean that you can't have a good time. That doesn't mean that you can't joke around. What it means is you have to take a half a second to be considerate of other people's feelings. And I think yep. anybody that takes a half a second to really think about what they're saying or like read the room or whatever, it's not that big of an ask. Like nobody needs to hear your bullshit racist funny joke, right? It's not that funny. Nobody needs to hear your misogynistic joke when it's like cruel and unusual. Like I make, you know, what could be termed misogynistic jokes at you or whatever. Right. Um, but I don't, you but know, I deserve but, them, but you do deserve them. And mostly because you're a woman. Um, <laughs> um, no, but that's the thing, right? That's why it's important. Your husband actually shared this clip of, I don't know, man, he's one of these online people. I think his name is Sneeko. He's like, one of those oh yeah 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 sneeko is another one that's like coming out in support of fucking russell brand yeah you saw that video of like him at a a concert or something or like yeah him at like at like a signing or something and there's fucking like 12 year old kids coming up to him saying like deaths to gays and like fuck um, women fuck women and it's like of course like like what do you think is going to happen with this content right and it's bad enough that the kids get it and it fucking pollutes their mind. But kids are also idiots. What's really sad to see is the number of like 30 and 40 year old guys that I talk to that are also on board with this shit. And I don't understand it. It's like, dude, why are you so angry? What is wrong with you? Like, why do you need to like be this hateful? There's no reason for it. Yeah. 
What did, what did a woman ever do besides be lovely? Anyway. And give birth to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the other news about a comedian. And the reason I wanted to talk about Russell Brand first and then talk about this next one, which is Hasan Minhaj, is because I think that I'm obviously there are two completely different types of allegations and they're completely like not comparable at all. Hasan Minhaj, there was an article in the New Yorker or New York Times, a New York Times article. Um, I think it was New York Magazine, actually. A New York Magazine article that was called, um, let's see, let me just make sure I have that right. It is called. Did it call Hasan Minaj's Essential or Emotional Truths or something? Hold on. I can't find it. Yeah, is that what, where did it, when did I send it to you? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm in so many group chats with you. Anyway, there was a, an article about Hasan Minhaj and how he essentially made up a yeah. lot of his jokes. So a lot of Hasan Minhaj's comedy is based on like, you know, his own stories. And a lot of stand-up comedy is done that way, right? Where like it's stories about things that you've been through. Um, and I think that all of us who watch stand-up comedy, none of us actually believe that every single story is being told 100% to uh, the truth. It's all very hyperbolic and everything like that. The thing with Hasan Minhaj is that in a lot of his, a lot of his content and a lot of his stories are based on um, tapping into sort of this emotion that a lot of like us brown, uh, South Asian Americans and South Asian Muslims um, feel a lot of these feelings that we feel. So a lot of his comedy is based in kind of tapping into like a relatable feeling. Like I, mm-hmm. I was very happy to see, I am very happy to see Hasan Minhaj's success. It's amazing. Um, yeah. I think that he is uh, very, very talented. And I think that it makes me really happy that like, there is this, like, I mean, I remember when I told you that like, my kids found out that Riz Ahmed, this Pakistani, they were like, I didn't know that Pakistani people could be in movies, right? Like, I think that that stuff is really, really cool. I remember being a kid and seeing, like, the movie um, American Born Confused, ABCD. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Harold and Kumar and just being so excited. Like, I just yeah. remember the excitement of representation. So, obviously, Hasan Minhaj, especially because he's, like, our age – um, seeing his success is really great. But in this article that this woman wrote, um, she basically says that all of the stories that he's told, many of the stories that he's told that kind of brought him into prominence, um, stories about the threats that he's gotten doing his show Patriot Act, um, stories about <clears throat> in Homecoming, his major story in Homecoming, his stand-up uh, um, special is about how he was rejected by his um, – he, he was asked to prom by a white woman. And then when he got to the door, her family rejected him and didn't want him to take pictures with her because he's brown. Um, there's another story about like, you know, um, what was it about? Um, after 9-11, after 9-11, um, what do you call them? Informants, FBI informants, basically. They would pretend to, and this is factual, that this did, this, this did happen in mosques and still continues to happen in mosques all over the country where people pretend to be Muslim and then they try to make friends with the local Muslim community to try to get information on other Muslims. Um, 
So he tells jokes based on those types of interactions. And this woman in the article says that all of those things were fact-checked and they were not true. And so the whole article, she's also asking Hassan like about this and why would he say this and blah, 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 blah. And in it, he says that while none of, not all of those things are factually accurate and yes, there is a lot of like creative, uh, what do you call it? Creative license that he took in some of mm-hmm. the storytelling. The point is that a lot of these stories are true because they do, they did happen to somebody. And those somebody, that somebody could be in the audience and that somebody felt something and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the whole thing about his type of comedy, which is that he taps into the emotional truth, even if it's not completely factual. So initially when I read the article, I was like, is Hassan a sociopath? And then I thought to myself, what compelled this lady to fact check this comedian. And so I wanted to know what your thoughts are about this because like what what is stopping us from fact-checking every comedian that has ever been out there doing any kind of comedy, right? Like what was it about her what about him specifically that made her decide that this is the person that I need to like dig into. And something about that feels really icky to me. Like even if those things because the other thing is he's not denying any of these things. He's not denying that he embellishes or that he was hyperbolic or that he took creative license. He's not denying any of those things because the thing is that the stories he's telling about Islamophobia or racism, whatever, those are true stories that do happen to people. It, they just didn't happen to him. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. I, I would, you know, I think we are probably on opposite sides of this then. Um, mm-hmm. because to me, I, you know, just to give you my reaction, when I first read the story, I started off being disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got angrier and angrier as I read it. Um, and to be fair to Hassan Minaj, like all we have to go off of, like we're, you know, what we're going to be talking about is the piece, right? So yeah. I, we're just reacting to the piece. And if Hassan Minaj comes out and he talks about it, then he should, we should definitely hear him out, right? Like, I would definitely hear him out. Um, so he did say, actually say something. Well, do you want to say that now or do you want me to? Yeah, no, you can finish your thoughts and then I'll tell you what he said. No. So, like, just to, like for my background of uh, Hasan Minaj is, you know, I, I don't know if I've never been a fan of his stand up comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, really like him in other things, right? So, like, uh, he was great on The Daily Show. Um, his, uh, like, the YouTube videos that he's been putting out with, like, his Obama interview was great, right? Um, he is probably the most prominent Sacramento Kings fan. And I've mm-hmm. heard him on, like, sports talk shows. And, um, you know, it's really awesome to hear that. It's really awesome to hear a Desi guy kind of hang in those conversations and present his side. Um, because, you know, we like the guys that I talk to and me, we care a lot about that stuff. And it's really awesome to see that happen. Right. And like, I think the best thing that I saw him do like in the last three years was he had this video uh, in the middle of the pandemic when he was talking about Ramadan and fasting and how those, you know, how like being in the pandemic and like, and hearing about, you know, essential workers and how we all like, that is what you should be thinking about when you're fasting. Right. So the point is, is that he is a very smart, 
and he's a very thoughtful dude. And I think he's mm-hmm. very, very talented. And I think for um, American Desi people, like you said, we are like, I am rooting very, very hard for Hasan Minaj because I think that he is very talented and I like seeing him on that stage. And I also think that he has earned his place on that stage. Like that is yeah. awesome. He, you know, he, the, 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 the things that he's accomplished, he's accomplished them, right? The thing about, you know, comedians, of course, comedians should have um, their afforded artistic license. They need it. Mm-hmm. Like they, that's what needs to happen, right? Especially with like comedy, right? Like I'm not, I'm not listening to like Eddie Murphy's like ice cream man bit and like wanting proof of Eddie Murphy, you know, actually doing, <laughs> you know, getting like hit in the head with his mom's slipper or anything like that. Of course, I know that it is meant to do, meant to be for jokes, right? The problem is with this one is that part of the charm of Hasan Minaj and part of the reason why he has made it as big as he has is that he is very proud of his heritage, which is awesome. Like he talks about uncles and aunties. So like as they see kids, we're like, that's awesome. Like we're relating to somebody. But he also calls out some of the, you know, like the things that he presents, like the brother Eric story, the story Mm -hmm. about his daughter. He is 100% presenting that as truth. Like as you're watching that show, the fact that he is showing news clippings, he wants like the way that is presented is like, okay, this is a funny, funny, funny thing happened, but it is underlined by the seriousness of the ridiculousness of this true thing that happened to me. Uh-huh. And that is manipulative. It is. And to count and to call it an emotional truth is again. I don't want to be hyperbolic because it's not like it's not anywhere close to any other celebrity scandal that we've seen, but it's a lie, right? Like what's an emotional truth? Like what's how far away is an emotional truth from like an alternative fact? Yeah, sure. Because (laughs) sure it's emotionally true. And I think what's upset, what upsets me, especially about like the brother Eric story um, and things that are specifically about like post 9-11 anxieties for Muslims, which are very, very real in this country. And there's a very good reason why they're real, because it's true. They're, like the surveillance of Muslims in this country is fucked up. Right. Yep. So when you put yourself at the epicenter of that and you present it as the truth and it turns out that it's not the truth, that is fucked up. That is harmful. That yeah. is a bad thing yeah right so that's that's where i'm at with that i think we could go into like the three different situations and we can talk about those if you want to but um yeah i can i i feel too i think you're absolutely right that once it starts to once people find holes in your story it makes you makes them question whether or not any of it is real or whether or not any of it actually happens right i think the thing is that yes that is very dangerous and that's very dicey of him to do stuff like that I think on the other side, when I see somebody uh, of prominence talk about these types of stories, right, like the post 9-11 anxiety, like I've talked about it on this Mm -hmm. podcast about like how poorly I was treated in high school and stuff. Like it was really hard for me. Um, When I hear somebody else talk about their experience in high school, a brown person go on stage and talk about their experience in high school. Uh, whether it's 
after 9-11 or whether it's just like with any other type of racism and be able to make jokes out of it, it actually is very healing to me because Mm -hmm. it makes me feel seen. It makes me feel validated. And it does make me feel like there is a place for my story to be told. There's a place for stories like mine to be told. And even though this is not his story to tell, because it's not actually his story, he still told the story, which I think is very powerful. I do agree with you that once you start lying about stuff that you've presented as facts, it puts holes into, it it makes, because you are a person in prominence, because you have a lot more control, because you are a person who is known for bringing information about brown people, um, whether it's jokes or reality or whatever, like you now have this like responsibility to be be smart about the information that you're putting out there because now you're a figure who represents the South Asian experience, right? And if your South Asian experience mm-hmm. that you're representing is a lie, then that puts all of our experiences into question. And I don't think that he realized that that's what he did. Because I think he's still kind of banking on the fact that he has made us feel validated. And I think that what he – here's here's how I feel about it. I don't think that Hasan Minaj gives a fuck that white people don't believe him. I don't – I disagree with that. I think – I think – I'll say this. That story about, like, the informant, right? He could 100% tell that story exactly the same way. What he didn't have to do was tie it in to a real life case. Yeah, the the real life case is there for white people. The real life case is to hold up a mirror to white society. And when that is bullshit, it is it's very, very disappointing. It's like he could have used the real life case to say, look, it does happen. This isn't my story, but it does happen. Right. Yeah. Um. Even the thing that the anthrax story is wild. He said that he his somebody mailed him a letter and white powder came out and it got on his daughter and he ended up going to the hospital. And this was during the time that he was in uh, doing Patriot Act and he was mm-hmm. getting death threats and ended up, you know, it was really scary as a parent. like that not being true uh, is one that I really got upset about. Yeah. Because of the shit that I have actually been through with my hus- my my mm-hmm. kids, um, yeah. so that one really pissed me off because it does feel like it's sympathy porn. It does feel it like he's using, um, th- like he's he's making himself into a victim to get attention. Right? It's almost yeah. like a clickbaity thing that he did, oh, and course. he used and he used his child in that. Um, this- that, by yeah. the way, is also your husband's, uh, like the like the like the most egregious one to your husband. He was talking about it in the group. He's like, I can't, I can't believe he brought his wife and his kid into it with his bug eyes. And I was like, <laughs> well, he just doesn't also he he also doesn't really like him to begin with. Yeah, so I was like, well, you know, the guy can't do anything about his eyes. And your husband <laughs> goes, there are procedures! Exclamation <laughs> mark. Well, um, <laughs> well, I will say the other thing about Hasan Minaj that I've never liked, and I think I've talked about this before, and our friend Ray Sani has talked about this, which is that he has, he does a black scent on stage. Yeah, he does a, he does he does a, a black full scent. black scent on stage. Yeah, the, the the thing about Hasan Minaj is is that he's cool. Like he 
he is accepted to be cool and he knows that he's cool presenting even though he's like this brown kid and like this dorky kid or whatever but he knows like Hazem Minaj has a following and part of that following is that he is this regular brown dude but and the fact that this regular cool brown dude has to feel discri- has to face discrimination is a commentary on white America, right? That's yes. what he's saying. The, the daughter anthrax story didn't affect me as much because like, I don't have kids. Um, but it, I looked at, I think the, the offense in that, in that story to me is the self uh, aggrandizing of, of himself, right? Like I am such a prominent person that people are sending anthrax to my daughter or whatever, right? In terms of like somebody using their daughter for their artistic bit, I mean, I would look at it the same way that I judge Ryan's toy reviews parents. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, ah, that seems dangerous. But if you're a fucking kid, do whatever the hell you want to. Right? Yeah. As parents, I would be fucking furious if I. If yeah. I was yeah. That's crazy. You were most upset about the prom story. I think th- so. that one definitely offends me the most. Right. Okay. So like. So if we're looking at like the bottom line of like the offense right so the brother eric story is a lie maybe it's like a like a very very low level like george santos type of lie right like this awful thing this awful thing is actually happening in america this awful thing has actually happened to muslims in america but it also happened to me when it didn't happen to you which yeah you know a lot of people do that whatever i think that I think whatever do if you want to do that I I wouldn't go down that route but he did it it's fine right the daughter story to me is also again I'm not a parent that's his daughter it's his kid he wants to use like a fake anthrax scare for his comedy bit it does offend me in a way because he again like you said he is doing it to make himself look sympathetic right he wants yeah. you to like him he wants you to like feel his trauma and then mm-hmm. You know, if you're feeling his trauma, then when he makes his joke, his joke is going to land harder. Right. And that's manipulative or whatever. But maybe that's his, uh, you know, artistic form or whatever. The bottom line for this story, the prom story, when if you take everything away from it. Right. If you look at the of what actually happened versus how he presented it to me, it is a dude that got friend zoned by a girl that did not want to go to prom with him. And he fucking napalmed her life and her family's life by calling her a racist. And he put it in a special, in a manner that revealed her identity and fucked yeah. up her life. That is yeah. extremely fucked up. You can't do that to people. Yeah. Right. And when I heard him talk about like, oh, that's like an emotional truth. Yes. You know, having interracial relationships, it is complicated. There's a lot of times when, um, you know, in the middle of it, where there are a lot of places where you can rightfully feel a lot of anger, right? And those stories should be told, right? Mm-hmm. It does not make it okay that he completely fabricated the story about this girl and just put it out there as a truth. Because once again, that's what he did. He didn't present it as like, hey, this is a thing that may happen. He presented it like, hey, this is a thing that did happen. Like he, there's a part, and I think I haven't, I haven't watched the special, but in the article, it says that you know part of the jokes is he's like he's talking about how he ate off of the plates with her white parents, right? Yeah. And so they were like, 
on the face they were like welcoming to him but they didn't think they didn't deem him worthy to take a picture with their daughter which is which is what a monster would do like that is a crazed racist monster the fact that that's not a true story and he presented those people that way it is so fucking offensive to me and it should be offensive to everybody like yes there is a race problem in this country. Yes, white America has a lot of work to do. But this shit does not help. Like doing this shit, presenting it like this, like who are you doing this for? The only person you're doing this for is for yourself in that in that situation. Because once again, you want to be sympathized with so people like you. you and you can do that. You're allowed to do that. But when you do that with real people's lives, that is extremely fucked up. Yeah. I think so he in a very early and I saw that I saw Homecoming King um, when it was like just starting. It was like off Broadway in the city. And when he used to do that one, you saw the person and their partner. And so it was easy to identify who this person was that he had this experience with. He didn't hide her identity. Um, and then by the time it was on Netflix, I think he hid her identity. But by that point, his fans had already like doxed this woman and made her life hell and doxed her family and made their life hell, which is like super fucked up. And I think like this goes to the point that I was trying to make earlier, which is that, you know, when you are a person of prominence and you are now this great representation of your demographic of people, you have a responsibility to be mm-hmm. honest in a way that um that is different than white people man it's different than like and it sucks i think sometimes i get frustrated because it's like well white people get to do whatever the fuck they want and they're not then you know responsible for all the wrongs of every single white like they're yeah. not representing every <laughs> single white person sure yeah. right not for me one white person fucks up for me it's over for all of them <laughs> but White people get that privilege of like they don't represent a white a single white lady does not represent every single white person in the world. Yeah, That's the shitty thing about being a person of color in this world, in a white supremacist world, is that when you are a prominent person of color, you now represent every single person of color. I am a kind of funny chubby brown woman. Do you know how many times I've been told that like in my life since the office was on TV that oh, I no. remind them of Mindy Kaling? It's so fucking frustrating because I'm like, that's the only funny brown woman that you know. You mm-hmm. do, you literally don't know any other brown woman. Or like, you remind me of Mindy Kaling. No, I don't. There's nothing <laughs> about me that reminds you of Mindy Kaling. Not even a little bit. You yeah. just don't know other brown women, right? Like, you just right. don't know any other South Asians. And like, it's frustrating. It's frustrating that like, I don't know. I feel two ways about it. I still feel strongly about the fact that, like, why did this woman go and decide to fact check him? Why? What's the point? I, what, what was the motivation behind that? That I find, as the youth says, sus. The other thing I do want to bring up, the other thing that came up in this article that I do think is kind of getting buried here is that when he was running Patriot Act, alleged, and like we talk a lot about like workplace hostility and stuff. They had journalists on the staff. They had proper like fact checkers and journalists, like real journalists, not comedy writers on the staff. And allegedly they were so terrible to the women in that team that there would be times when there were staff writer, like writing, I guess, writers meetings. And those women were asked to stay out in the hallway 
instead of attending those meetings. Mm-hmm. And so there, and they went to court for it. Like it was a whole thing. That stuff I think is super fucked up. Like that is, I think where I'm like, you had a show and you had a responsibility to be like inclusive and, and good. And you had this power to be different than what we hear, how we hear women and people of color are treated in a lot of other television shows. And you still did the fucked mm-hmm. up thing, right? That part of it is also fucked up. But going back to my other point, which is it's frustrating for me because I do think that it's frustrating, but it's the reality of the world. It is frustrating that, yes, he is responsible for a lot. He He's holding a lot more on his shoulders as a prominent person of color than a white person would. And yes, that is frustrating, but that is the card. That is the, that is the deal that you make to be a famous person of color in this world, especially in America. Like you are now representing, especially when your entire shtick is being a South Asian American, being an Indian American Muslim. If your entire shtick is being an Indian American Muslim and you're representing Indian American Muslim and you're telling Indian American Muslim stories and then there are holes in those stories, you have to be more responsible and careful with the stories that you share. So, I, you know, I just I want to address that that part about, you know, your your question about why it is that this woman chose him to fact check. Right. Yeah. And I think I think the justification for it and, you know, there could be obviously I don't know. Right. I'm sure again, if Hassan Minaj comes out and says this lady targeted me, blah, blah, blah. I'm willing to listen to it because, again, we're being very, very harsh on Hassan Minaj right now. But again, we root for Hassan Minaj like I. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I still fuck with Hassan Minaj. I don't, <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to say that because you're 40. Yeah, I, don't, I fucks. Is it fucks with an X at the end? Um, <laughs> I, I fucks with Hassan Minaj, right? The reason why I think it is justified is because, again, the way that he presents his show is that it is underlined with these truth, like with, with like these instances of truth, right? That is kind of that goes hand in hand with the punchline that is the way that he has structured his show so when you present those serious topics as truth then yes when people fact check you then you are going to have to answer to it i think the other part that that i found disappointing is his justification of it like this emotional truth thing really fucking pisses me off because (laughs) it is it's nonsense Yes, there are. I do believe that there are emotional truths in the world. Yes, I feel like that doesn't mean that you put yourself in the center of it, right? Like we like going back to like post nine eleven anxiety, right? You and I had a vastly different nine eleven experience, like post nine eleven experience, because you were still in high school and I was out of high school. I was like working retail, so I had like this like quasi Jersey guy existence where I would just like hang out with like my Staples buddies or whatever, right? And Mm -hmm. you were stuck in a situation where you were like with these kids right and you and i didn't know about some of the things that happened to you until like this year right so <laughs> my post 9-11 like my understanding of post 9-11 um muslim anxiety in america is now colored the most by your experience right because yeah. it happened to somebody that i know and i care about yeah um that you know that so i'm gonna think about that That doesn't mean that I make a story about, I say that it happened to me because it didn't happen to me. And that's fucked up. And if I did that to you, you would rightfully be mad. 
But I also have... because nothing would make me more mad than you taking credit yeah, for exactly. something Me that credit. happened to exactly. me. Yeah. Especially trauma. My God. Oh, the God, juicy no. trauma. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so that really upset me. And then, um, you know, the, the, the prom story again, it upset me because uh, like I was in a inter, you know, interracial relationship. Right. And it happens like they're juicy stuff. Telling the people more about yourself. They've been asking. That's true. Um, so I was in a relationship with somebody for like four years. Right. And I had known her and I had known her family for a while. I don't think I've, you know, this story actually. No, um, I don't. So like after we started going out, it was like six months later, she was going to go visit her parents. And what she's at that point, we'd gotten pretty serious and, you know, you would hang out, you hung out with her on me and hung out with her. Yeah. And what we were talking about, her parents didn't know because they lived in Poland. Yeah. So she was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to talk to them about it. I really don't want to hide this thing from from them because I don't think it's something that we should hide. But I think that they may have some reservations, whatever. I'd known their, her parents, like I'd, I'd known her sister or whatever. So she called me in the middle of the night and she was devastated because her parents were distraught. Like they were like, they could not believe it. They were really, really, really upset about it, right? And she said one of the things that her mom said, and the reason why she was crying so so hard was because her mom said, I don't know what I'm going to tell my friends. And she mm-hmm. said, why, why does it matter what your friends say? Like, what are your friends going to say? And her mom said, her mom told her the story about there was an Egyptian doctor that had moved into their village or mm-hmm. dentist, right? And her mom was talking to her friends about like how much she liked that Egyptian dentist because he's a really nice guy. And one of her friends said that, well, you know, Muslim men beat their wives, right? (laughs) So her mom said, you know, this is what my friends think, right? And so she told me that. And my first response was like, you know, it's not like a requirement or anything. (laughs) (laughs) so fucked up. It's so fucked up. It was not well received in the moment. Um, I was told to shut the fuck up. But it's really sad, right? Because like in the moment, you're like, man, like, you know me. And like, the fact like the like, that question should not be valid at all. Like you should be able to shut that question down again, right? But then you also think, okay, this is a person who is coming from this semi like rural, rural town, like the small village. Yeah. And like, what kind of expectations would you have? Right. So I was just like, okay, so this is something that we have to kind of get over. Yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, so if this is a, something that I want to invest in, then it's going to take a little bit of time. And when her mom, when her parents visited three months later, I met them for dinner. The first dinner was pretty awkward because everybody knew what the situation was. Everybody <laughs> knew that, you know, nobody was on board her mom (laughs) to be fair her mom was very like sweet to me but i could also tell that she was reserved her dad was having no part of it which also i understand because that's how dads are right yeah and i was like well okay so this is something that i have to work on and by the end of it her mom was like leaving like batches of pierogies for me and like and all that stuff right so it takes work and it's it's complicated because to be fair on the other side of it also, it's not like we're always welcoming of like white women or people outside of our race. Not even also, a little right? bit. Are you kidding not... me? So, be... yeah, go ahead. No, because like the, the thing is, so like, you know, whatever her perception was of Muslim people, right? The perception of white women in our in our society for a lot of people is that 
it's good for entertainment, but not like pure enough for marriage. Yeah, you don't settle down with them. Yeah, exactly. You don't do that. Right. And that's also fucked up. Right. So I understood that. And I was like, okay, so this is something I want to work on. And it's going to take time. And I mean, her dad never really truly warmed up to me, I don't think, but which is, again, a dad thing, which I get, right? Like, so her dad, I was like, oh, maybe I'll try to get in with sports. And this motherfucker, the only sports that he liked was Polish League men's volleyball. I'm like, what, the <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> but like, like three years into it, right? We had this dinner where her dad got really drunk. And he was being like very loving to his wife. And when Mm -hmm. I was leaving, he gave me this big hug and he kissed me on the cheek, right? Because Mm -hmm. he was drunk more so Mm -hmm. than anything else, right? And then the next day he was kind of back to his old self, which Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call cold, but it wasn't like, like outwardly warm. You know, there's a difference when you're like, man, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a part of your family. Like you could be warm or whatever. Yeah. But by that time, I was like, well, I already know what I need to do with this guy. I just need yeah. to get him drunk a little, a little bit and he'll be <laughs> fine. So, you know, to me, it's offensive that he left that story where it was. Like, he took his little bit of story and he blew it up and he blew up these people's lives. Because there is a lot, like, when you are, especially when it comes to, like, children dating outside of your culture or whatever, yeah. every culture has hesitation in it. But that does not mean that that's the end of the story. And the way that he presented it, he presented it as the end of the story. And he made them out to be monsters. And that's not okay. Yeah, I think I think it's complicated. And I think it's sad. I will read you what he said. He made a statement to all the news outlets that said, Yes, I was rejected from going to prom because of my race. Yes, a letter of powder was sent to my apartment that almost harmed my daughter. Yes, I had an interaction with law enforcement during the war on terror. Yes, I had very coastal repair surgery so we could get pregnant. Yes, I roasted Jared Kushner Kushner to his face. I used the tools of stand-up comedy, hyperbole, changing names and locations, and compressing timelines to tell entertaining stories. That's inherent to the art form. You wouldn't go to a haunted house and say, why are these people lying to me? The point is the ride. Stand-up is the same. Yeah, stand-up is the same. Not in this instance, though, because, again, he is underlining his stand-up with what he presents as the truth. Yeah. Right. It isn't. It's not like he said, like a law enforcement enforcement officer picked me up and flew me to the moon. Right. Of course, everyone would laugh at that because that is ridiculous. But his his. You, do you know what his interaction with law enforcement officers were? That was during the war on terror. What do you mean? None. He didn't have any. He he said that he got fouled hard while playing basketball. And he yeah. felt that that was an FBI. Guy. Like, I mean, what are we talking about here? Yeah. yeah. So like the more justifications, it makes me. No, angry. of course. I, I do. I, again, I, you know, my gut says, let's not be so hard on our guy. Yeah, of deal? course. What's the big I, deal? Everybody calm down. Who gives a shit? But then the other part of me says, um, hey, man, it's not nice to lie. It's not nice to lie. And it's uh, not again, nice if to the, lie. That's, it's not, that's it's how I feel thing. about it. It's not a good thing to lie. There's ways to be interesting that doesn't include lying about who you are and the experiences he, that you've had. You know, he could have he could have told all of these same stories. He could have um, if he didn't make it seem like it was the truth. And he yeah. knows that he made it seem. That is the reason why this article was written. It's because yeah. he made it seem like it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. 
This is a long one. Yeah. A lot of chat chat from chat chatter chatter from you. So much insider information. People are going to be asking yeah. follow ups. That's true. If anybody I... has any inside news on uh, Polish leagues men's volleyball, <laughs> I could have used that information ten years ago. <laughs> ten years ago, it's yeah. been a while. It's been all right. A... Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, if you guys want to know more dirt about my brother, you could DM me. I'm just kidding. Watch, I do. I give all the information. I start talking shit about your ex to my friends on the you internet. I know I would never do that. I would yeah. think about doing it, but I wouldn't. I would send a lot of um, suspicious emojis to re- in reactions to things, oh, and then it would leave just, people yeah, guessing. Send that emoji where it's like the cross by the mouth, like you can't speak about it. I can't or say anything. Yeah. But you're right. <laughs> she was a bitch. <laughs> You're right. She was harvesting babies. Um, <laughs> harvesting babies. Did you, by the way, right before we uh, started recording, did you see what happened to your your favorite movie of the year? What? What's your favorite movie of the year? Year again? Barbie. No, Sounds of Freedom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Sounds of Freedom. Wait, I was so upset. I thought something happened to Barbie. <laughs> did you hear the way I said Barbie? Barbie. 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 <laughs> Um, the Sounds of Freedom guy, guess what? Sexual assault, of course. Ah! Oh, he did it, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, another thing about Lauren Boebert is the the man that she was on a date with is, to wrap up the conversation, the man that she was on a date with owns a gay bar that has drag shows. Yes. Oh, Lauren. All right. Well, anyway, that's it for this episode. I'll be back tomorrow to talk to Arthi about Real Housewives of New York. And of course, the news heard around the internet. Oh, wait. Housewives news, real quick. Mm -hmm. Do you know who have become BFFs in prison in Texas together? Okay. So we're talking about prison. So number one has to be that Khan lady, Jen Shah. Jen Shah. Jen Shah. Jen Shah. And. And I'll give you a hint. This is a visual medium. This is an audio medium, but I'll show you because you're on the camera. Who do you think small, I am? Small, no. tiny? No. Who am I? Ugh. I'm Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> you were holding a drop of blood? I was holding a drop of blood. <laughs> They're apparently really close. They've become oh, close friends, those two, you in know, prison together. Scammers. <laughs> whatever you need. Too. Exactly. Whatever you do to, you know, to find company. God bless, I guess. <laughs> Look at you. You're like, I fucking hate Hasan Minaj for lying about <laughs> things. And you're like, Elizabeth Holmes needs friends. Who cares? Jen yes. Shaw defrauded a bunch of old people until <laughs> they died. Whatever. <laughs> at it's least like, they have uh, company. Yeah. At least it's like they the have people. Company. It's like the people that were upset at Kyrie Irving and were like not looking at Brett Favre. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs>